Okay, so we are doing now Friday's portion of the Torah portion of this week, the Parsha of Re'eh. We begin by speaking about the release of all debts that comes in during the Shemitah year, the seventh year of the seventh year cycle, just as the farmers of Israel have a release from their ability to work the land, a Shabbos, so to speak, all year long. There's also a release of all debts owed, which is what these verses are talking about. Nowadays, there is a rabbinical concept called a proposal, which one can sign before the beginning of the seventh year, the Shemitah year, in which you basically are transferring your debt to the authority of the Beitzin, of the rabbinical council, and through that means, you can still get your money back. <laughs> or we're just going to follow the verse of Rashi. So at the end of seven years, you shall have a release. The so Rashi says, what does this mean? Does this mean every time you loan money, seven years later, they don't have to pay it anymore? The Rashi says, no, that can't be what it means because the Torah says, watch out, you might not want to loan money because you're going to say the seventh year is approaching, I'm never going to get my money back. So the fact that before you loan the money, you could say the seventh year is approaching, I don't want to loan this money, means it's an objective seventh year. There's nothing to do with your specific loan. It's the seventh year of the Shemitah cycle. Next verse. So what do we mean by releasing? Shemitah, that's literally the Hebrew term, which means releasing. So every creditor has to release his authority over what he lent people. He can't push his brother, because God said there's a release, Shemitah, a release, a release of all debts. So Rashi explains this word Shemitah, which here in the verb form is Shemot, that every creditor should release, that you no longer have authority over your debt. It's released. The next verse says, you shall press the non-Jew over that what you have with your brother, you have to release Hashmit, same verb, form of Shemitah, your authority. So Rashi on the words you should press the non-Jew says this is a positive commandment. This is actually a very debated point. According to Ramban, it doesn't mean that we are obligated to press non-Jews to repay their debt. It means now there's the force of a positive commandment the explicit negative commandment forbidding you to press a Jew to repay the debt. Next verse. But, however, there should be no poor among you because God will bless the land that he will give you as inheritance. Meaning, we're talking here about debts and they don't owe you the money anymore, they didn't pay the debt, release the debt. All of this is there's an implicit understanding that there's people very needy and that's why you lent us money. There should come a time when there won't be any needy such people. The Rashi says, I have a question. How could the verse here say there won't be any poor among you when another verse later says they will never stop being the poor? The Rashi answers that when you're doing God's will, they will be poor, but they'll be among others, not among you. When you're not doing God's will, the poor will be among you. Now, the words used for poor is not the most common word. The common word for poor is ani. But the word here used is evion. And Rashi explains evion is poorer than an ani because evion is from the word to desire, to ev, that he longs for everything because he has nothing. 
The next verse. Only if you will listen, listen, it's written twice, the voice of God to observe the commandments I command you today. So Rashi comments on this double expression. Well, first Rashi has another comment. It says, only if you will listen, listen. Meaning, if you will listen, listen, then, what I just told you in the previous verse, there'll be no poor among you, will happen. Why does it say, listen, listen twice? Because if you listen a little, you'll actually be allowed to hear a lot. The next verse. Because God has blessed you, as he has spoken to you, you will, again, this is all on the same premise, when you're releasing these debts, when you're doing the will of God, there won't be any poor among you. So now we're saying all these blessings that all connote this concept of no poor among you. For God has blessed you, you will lend to many nations, you will borrow, you will rule many nations, they will not rule you. So, Rosh's first question is, it says, he's blessing you like he has spoken to you. What word did he say this to you? So he said it. He's actually going to say this later in chapter 28. Now in chapter 15, all these blessings of, that we will soon receive. You will lend. The Rashi here on the words you will lend, Vatita points out that the grammar of this is hifil. Hifil is causative because you will lend is a causative act. It says you will lend to many nations. So a person might say, okay, I'm lending to one, but I'm borrowing from one other. So therefore the verse says, but you won't borrow. Similarly, exact same mindset. It says you will rule over many nations. So someone can think, okay, I'm ruling over these people, but other people are ruling over me. Therefore, the verse, which doesn't waste words, says, but no one's going to rule over you. And then the next verse talks about there will be poor, exactly what we just questioned. And remember Rashi's statement, when you're doing God's will, there might be poor people in the world, but they won't be among you. If you're not doing God's will, they're going to be among you. So the verse says, if there'll be a poor person among you of your brothers in any of your cities and your land that God gives you, don't harden your heart or close your hand against your destitute brother. So Rashi says, everyone if there's a poor person among you, so you can have a lot of poor people among you. The person here is called an evyon. Remember, evyon is this idea of desiring, longing, wanting. So if you have a number of poor people that need money, the one who desires it, who needs it the most, is the one that takes precedence, the one most wanting, the one most lacking. It says from your brothers. So here we learn actually a law that your brother from your father's side precedes your brother from your mother's side. This says of your cities. And here we learn a law. This is quoted many times by those that collect charity. The poor people of your city take precedence over poor people of another city. The city of Jerusalem, Yerushalayim, is considered like our own city as well. And that's why the verse uses a seemingly unnecessary, superfluous word of your city. To tell you, poor people of your city, come first. And then it says, don't harden your heart, don't close your hand. So why is this said? So Rashi says, uh, Rashi here is explaining this because seemingly it's a redundant phrase. Hardening your heart, closing your hands implies the same thing. So Rashi says, some people... Their heart's like torn. Shagiv, shainakiv, shagiv, shainakiv. Don't harden your heart. Some people are torn. You open up your hand, then you close it. You open up your hand, you close it. Don't close your hand. Then it says from your brother, the poor person. 
Why does it say from your brother? Why is it emphasizing this? So Rashi says, if you don't give to him in the end, you're going to be the brother of the poor person. Meaning, you're going to be poor just like him. The next verse, rather open. Open your hand and give him. Give him enough for his lack, what, which is lacking for him. So this is a double expression, open, open, pasach tiftach, meaning many times. The double implies many, many, many times because some people have to give and give and give. The verse starts off, ki pasach tiftach. Ki usually means because, but of course Rashi has explained to us many times that it has four translations. Here, because wouldn't make any sense, so it means rather, rather. Instead of what I just discussed, the person who's closing his hand and hardening his heart, rather you should open, open your hand. Give him, give him. Why give him, give him twice? Because you want to give it to him as a gift. But if you won't take it as a gift, give him as a loan. These are all very famous concepts because it's very embedded in all the laws of charity. But this verse, this phrase is very famous. Enough for his lack which is lacking for him. So enough for his lack means, Raji says, you're not thinking rich. But which is lacking for him means, which is, which is almost the uh, opposite of this, whatever he considers lacking, meaning, Raji quotes the Gemara, even a horse to ride upon and a slave to run ahead of him. And you could say, wait, I was just told you're not thinking rich. And now I'm told I need a, a, a slave that has no function but to, to run ahead of him. Like, what a waste of money. But the point is, you don't have to make him rich. But his needs have to be met. So he was originally a very rich man, and he's used to this. This is his need line. These are his basic needs. To you, it's a crazy luxury. You never spend no money on yourself, and it's a waste of money. But when he doesn't have that horse to ride upon or that slave to ride in front of him, he feels as needy as someone else feels when they're starving or freezing. So his needs have to be met. But what he would consider wealthy, you don't have to make him wealthy. Next verse. So this is what we mentioned before. Beware. You have this bad thought in your heart. You're saying the seventh year is coming close. And you're going to look badly on your poor brother. You don't want to lend him anything. He's going to call out against you to Hashem, and there'll be a sin on you. Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped to Rashi. The, I missed the Rashi in the previous verse. The last word in that verse is low for him. For him, he's even a wife, meaning you have to help in any way you can. If he needs to find a shidduch, if he needs to get married, you have to help him find a wife as well. So here, going back to what we were saying in this verse, this is what we mentioned in the very beginning, the first opening verse of this section, that every seventh year, the Shemitah year, you have to release all of your debt. That's a very big challenge because you lend people money in goodwill. Obviously, they were supposed to pay it back before, but obviously they didn't. And then the seventh year comes, and you just have to say, oh, that money, they don't owe it to you anymore. They, that's the most ridiculous thing. They just don't owe it to you anymore. The person could say, I'm not such a fool. I know in two years from now is the seventh year. I mean, if in a year this guy doesn't repay me, the whole debt is nullified. I, I can't lend him money. So the person is saying, he's going to cry out to God because you're not lending him the money. It's going to be considered a sin. Now, Rashi explains when it says he'll cry out to God, it doesn't mean he has the commandment to cry out to God. He doesn't have to do it. But he could. And it will be a sin on you. 
even if the person doesn't cry out, it's still a sin on you, meaning you have an obligation to help the needy. You have an obligation to give this person a loan. If you don't, you're doing something wrong. And it's wrong if he cries out to God or if he doesn't. But why does it say, well, if he cries out to God, then there'll be a sin on you? Because when he cries out, it's like forcing God's attention on this more than if the other person didn't cry out, which in the end of the day, you still did something wrong and there will still be a consequence. It won't happen as quickly. It'll be maybe time to repent. Instead, the verse, the next verse says, what should you do? Give, give. And don't feel bad about it. Because that's why God blessed you in everything you do. Meaning, why do you think you have all this money in the first place? You have this money to help these people, so you're right. Realistically speaking, you're getting him a loan, and a year from now, the loan will be nullified. It's very possible he's not going to pay you back. Why do you think God gave you the money in the first place? The Rashi says on the words Nason Titain, which is also a double expression, even a hundred times you have to keep giving him money. Give it to him. Rashi says do it privately between you and him. Don't embarrass him. Because of this matter. So Davar could also mean divor or speech. Rashi says the reason why Davar is used, seemingly in an essay word, is because just your verbal commitment to give already is a great thing in God's eyes. already merits tremendous reward. Next verse. For destitute people will not cease to exist within the land. Remember, this is what we quoted earlier. And we said, how could God say they won't be poor if the verse later, meaning the verse we're right up to now, says they'll always be poor? Remember the answer. They'll be poor, but not necessarily among you. Destitute people will not cease to exist within the land, and that's what I'm telling you. Open your hand to the poor. So Rafi says, Alkane, which Jesus translates as therefore, and Rashi is translating as, as because of this. Saying, Rashi says, I'm giving you good advice. To your brother, the poor, to which brother? To the poor one. And to the poor one here is spelled with one yud, meaning even to one poor person. Okay, that all from the opening verse of this chapter of this section, or say section, until through this verse 11, all of that was one concept surrounding one central theme. Now we're going to a related but separate idea about a Jewish slave. If your brother, a Jewish man, or Jewish woman is sold to you, he should serve you for six years, and the seven send him away free. So the question is, what type of slave are we talking about here? There are two types of slaves. Either a Jewish man steals, is caught, can't repay the money, so he's sold as a slave that that should repay the money he stole. Or a Jewish man becomes so poor he sells himself as a slave for his debt to support, you know, to, for, for the money he needs. So which one of this? So Rashi says this person is being sold by others, as it says, if he is sold to you, not that he's selling himself. So since others are selling him, it's the court, the Beit Din, that's selling him for his theft. Because if he was poor, he will be selling himself. So the question then is, wait a minute, we already learned this is a Mishpatim. The opening verses of Mishpatim go to tremendous detail 
of all the laws of the Jewish slave. Why do we, why do we have it back again? The Rashi says for two reasons. There are two new points here. One new point is, the verse we just read said, a Jewish slave man or a Jewish slave woman works for six years and goes out in the seventh. When we, in, in Mishpatim, when we learned the laws, and we learned many laws considering the Jewish slave girl, but it wasn't clear there that she has the same privilege that the Jewish slave man has, which is when you buy it, when you buy, let me just contrast this point. You buy a non-Jewish slave, it's forever. You bought them today, you have them until they pass away. If you buy a Jewish man slave, it's for six years. Seventh year, he goes free. This is not the Shemitah year, this is the seventh year of his sale. If you buy a Jewish girl slave, as with Antimash Patim, she has many ways of going free that only she has uniquely. Like, you can marry her, your son can marry her, or you have to help her free herself, you have to she has some money, you have to deduct from her years of service to help her get out. So there are many unique ways if she becomes a bogeris, she reaches a certain physical maturity, she goes out. So there are many specific unique ways a Jewish slave girl goes out. But it wasn't clear in Mishpatim that she also has the standard way of a Jewish man, which is after six years. So the verse is adding that. And one more thing the verse is adding, because this was not at all touched upon, is ha'anaka. That when a Jewish slave leaves you, you have a commandment, a biblical commandment, to bestow on them great wealth for all the work they did for you. So we are not finished today's section, but we did sort of tell ourselves we have a 15-minute time frame, and it was a little over 15 minutes already. So we will stop here in the middle of this section with Shabbos.